that, and that's actually another piece to being a guy. You don't have to be told what to do all the time. Go figure shit out for yourself. Try some stuff. My favorite statement is, and tell my kids this all the time, and yes, I say this exactly how I say it to them. Go out there and fuck some shit up. Make some mistakes. Break some stuff. Figure it out. It's okay. Get ready to tune in to stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Obviously, as I say every time, I'm Scott. And if you haven't figured it out yet, go back and listen to a bunch of past episodes so you can get to know me. But more importantly, uh, I have with me today Flint Anderson. Flint and I met, golly, well, actually a while back. And then we got reconnected recently. And I'm super excited about kind of the content he's putting out and what he is doing. So I had to get him on. I'm not even going to go much more into that. I'm going to let you talk more about who you are, but welcome to the show, Flint. Hey, thank you very much, Scott. And as you said, I'm Flint Anderson. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm yeah, looking, forward to the, looking forward to this conversation for a while. It took us a, it took us a minute to pull it together. Yeah, a few, re, uh, a few reschedules and um, busy busyness and setting up podcast equipment and all of the uh, other things I see in your bio. I know, I know you're a serial entrepreneur, but you said that you have several boring businesses. <laughs> Does that mean you don't want to talk about? <laughs> no, no, no. They're, um, that, that, that seems to be the new keyword right now for businesses that are not super exciting, but make money. Um, we have uh, two different type of handyman companies, and we have a janitorial company, which we recently just started again for reasons we'll probably go into later in the podcast. And then uh, my new conglomerate effort bringing everything together is Old Man Energy. So that's the online presence and just solidifying everything together. So my boring stuff, I can talk handyman and contracting with you for probably longer than anything else other than manhood and fatherhood. But I don't really want to. <laughs> it's really, it, well, it's really interesting. Like my business, we're not going to get into that, but my business, because it's boring, I've noticed that my favorite clients are people in the home services industry. How weird is that? Why Why is that? And no offense to somebody who's listening who's not in the home. I like you just as much just to make you feel special, like a, a special little flower. But yeah, I really do enjoy business owners in that realm. Why is that, man? Are you guys just doers? Is that why? <laughs> well, I think it takes a special, a special person to reach the level to need your services. There, there are a lot. I, I swear I'm going to write a book called Any Idiot with a Hammer just mm. to be, um, to talk about general handymen out there, most of the ones that don't ever scale, don't really have a lot of personality, but you hire them because they're good at their job. But the ones that would get to the to the level that need your services, you've got to be a bit of a salesman. You've got to be very personable or you're not going to get the bigger jobs and you're not going to stay in business long enough to even earn them. So I think that that's you're dealing with that type of personality. Yeah, that is. I So I've been dealing with some stuff, getting some stuff fixed. And I keep telling my son who wants to be an entrepreneur and he will be. So the want is not there. He's going to be an entrepreneur. And I'm like, dude, listen, here's my frustration. I can't get a call back when I want. They ask me the same question every single time I call. They call me by the, they tell me uh, I have a different vehicle than the one I do. They quote me different every time I'm here, I come through. I'm like, if you want to run a business and crush it, just be accurate, be professional and actually run the business. Don't just rely on your ability to wrench or to turn a shovel or whatever it is. There's like this huge differentiator. I feel like you, if you have a basis on customer service and communication and sales, you will absolutely crush it in your area. Am I right? You just hit the number of exact things as a way I built our business. And ours is primarily focused on investors. But I mean, mm. we, we line item everything. Everything is written down. We ask for a specific response in writing. Any changes are approved before we do it, also in writing. Now, that can be a text message. And with the exception of, hey, if your house has water flooding in it, we're not going to wait for you to give us permission to turn it off. But <laughs> it, it, there's the, the any idiot with a hammer joke is said tongue in cheek, but there's so much lack of professionalism in, and especially not so much a general contractor because they're held to a different level of accountability. And I'm not a GC. We are mm. very, very large handyman services run very much like a general contractor, but there's not as much accountability on 
I don't like the word lower trades, but if you're not a GC, you're considered a lower trade, you're considered a sub or what have you. And realistically, anybody that will just hold themselves to a little bit higher standard, make those calls back and not underbid themselves, you can kill it in this. And that's in teaching these guys how to scale from a couple hundred grand a year, which is where you can realistically get with yourself and a helper in a truck. You can't really do much more than that because you just can't sustain the volume. Helping them scale to being able to bring on crews, to being able to maintain quality, to be able to maintain that level. Even then, not everybody that wants to has that skill and they end up treating customers exactly how you just described you were being treated. (laughs) It's unfortunate. It is really unfortunate. But the cool thing is is there's guys like you out there kind of helping the system along. But this is all good. And I could talk to you for hours about this because I, I am super intrigued and I love business stuff, but I really want to dial in on old man energy. And you and I have been talking, I've been watching your content and, um, and it, it aligns. It's very much in alignment and you have some, some stories based around 75 hard. I don't want, we'll, we'll get into that, but I know one of the challenges for you has been what is old man energy and lucky you, I am going to ask you that because I know you've been dialing in on it and (laughs) I'm excited for you to share. So you're welcome. (laughs) And I, uh, that we, my wife and I have been going back and forth on this for a while. So it's like, okay, you really need to figure out exactly what the definition is. And ultimately, and I'm going to read what I wrote last night because I finally summed it up and nailed it. But ultimately, I am old man energy. It encompasses myself from, I know what, I'm not even going to go there. I'm just going to read you what I wrote because I don't have it memorized yet, but Do I'm it. going to. And, and while is, you're pulling that up, yeah. while you're pulling that up, I want to, I want to, um, make note of something for the listeners. Flint is going to refer to his wife very frequently. If he, if he talks to you, like he's talked to me, or if he talks to me, like he normally does. And guys, this is the marker of someone you want to follow. And I, I, I say that with full intentionality and thought. And I thought about this before actually interviewing. There is a partnership level where when a man can, can kind of, attach some parts of what he's doing and get feedback and support from his spouse or his love his is whatever it is there is a next level ability that we have as men so i know not all of you are blessed enough to have women that are really plugged in but you can always build that so first of all i just wanted to put that out there like you 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 treat your your wife with absolute respect and talk of her very highly but also she has Um, what I've heard, amazing input. So with that, go ahead and and give us your definition. I will. And then to follow up on what you said, I want to, I want to talk about that specific, about the power of a true relationship, because I would not be doing what I'm doing right now or would not be where I am right now without having finally decided to listen to her and stop feeling like she was beating me up all the time. And I, I really do want to talk about that because that's that's made a huge difference in what I do. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't answer the question. And all right, that's the that's the sales blurb at the top, which I'll read later, but that's fine. So what is old man energy? Old man energy is a realization of my transformation from a young man with a new wife and a family to a children aging out of the house and me becoming old. I was lost, I was without purpose, and I'd given my entire adult life to my children and my family. I have seven children, all of which I adopted. They usually lead with that. Saving little for myself, I did not take care of myself or even plan for what lay beyond that. I was loving being a dad and didn't really have an idea what I was going to do after I was a dad of adult children. I was resigned to being old. Um, society tells us that you need to get ready to have less as you get older, get ready to retire, get ready to settle into a lifestyle that you can afford. I was sporting the dad bod, which is a fancy way of guys telling each other they're fat and women resigning themselves to their husbands or choices or fat guys and simply being done with everything. I was miserable. I knew there had to be a better way and I decided to start taking care of myself. And that goes into my 75 hard story. When I started getting in shape, I realized I didn't have to settle for less. Even though I was getting older, I still had a story to tell. And the more I worked on myself, the more energy I had. It goes back to you can't pour from an empty cup. And then old man energy was born. I was getting old, but I was still a man. I still had much to teach from my experience as a husband and a father. And there was much more that I wanted to do in life. 
as I was getting in shape, I chose to use these lessons to start sharing them. And if you've been to my Instagram or you go there, it's 90% videos I make either at or right after the gym. The more I ate clean, worked out, lost weight, looked after myself, the more energy I had to pour into other people, the more my relationship with my wife improved and the more confident I felt. I became obsessed with letting men everywhere know that we are still men, we still have a purpose and a calling, and showing young men how to be good fathers, husbands, and leaders by taking care of themselves and setting an example is one of the first steps. Showing not telling the old guys that we don't have to be put out to pasture simply because we hit a certain number of spins around the sun. Boom. This is why when you and I talk, we could probably go for hours and hours <laughs> because, okay, I'm 50. How old are you? I'm uh, 49. Okay. So very, Roughly very same in line. Age. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that one that you're talking about what it is after we pour all this energy into raising kids, right? Like raising them into adults. And then, and this, ha I've seen this so often with men and women, they put all of their focus and their identity into their kids. And so they go from being a married couple, usually kind of navigating through life together to all, all of a sudden, all focus now is on the kids and then when the kids exit the home, there is mass turmoil because one, your identity as you have defined it, which is totally absurd, is gone. Am I right? You, they, they leave the house and here you well, are. Yeah. You're like, well, and it, the, the problem, there's two things. One is men. I mean, we do, do, what's your purpose now? I remember the first week on 75 Hard and I had some medical illnesses too, but I remember exactly where I was on the road walking my second workout of the day thinking all right what am i gonna do i have no purpose i gotta do it. my kids are aging and we still had four at home at then but when you got seven and it's down to four that's a pretty big flipping difference yeah so there was that i remember when that thought crossed my mind and it took me a while to figure it out but the second thing is is that couples simply forget how to be in love with each other 100 percent. they put so much time and effort in it, it it's it's pathetic the number of couples that don't even hate each other. They just don't like each other that much. Once their kids are gone, they get divorced and they're still friends. They still get along. They just forgot how to be in love with each other. And that is sad. It's really sad. And this one reason, one thing I talk about is like my, my um, values and I put them in an order and I tell over and over and over again, my wife comes before my kids and that might sound, sound brutal, but she was here before the kids. The kids are here because of us. And if I don't work on us, then when the kids are gone, we don't have anything. And then the other thing is, is the absolute best way, the absolute best way that you can prepare your kids for a successful marriage, successful relationships, and to be amazing parents is to be the best spouse possible. You're modeling exactly what needs to happen. So I absolutely love you brought that up. We're going to agree on a lot of things. <laughs> well, and, and one so thing you need listeners, to remember, you're too, just going to hear us agree a lot. <laughs> your kids yeah. are, you're, you're at, when your kids are grown, you have to trust their trust your raising because sometimes kids don't agree with you and sometimes they resent you, even though you gave them mm -hmm. a good platform and a base to operate from. And you've got to be prepared for that, too. And that is not an easy pill to swallow. Sometimes it sucks being a guy and being a dad because you're going to make really hard, hard decisions while you're doing that. Yeah. Uh, for sure. For sure. So I have so many roads I want to go down. So how many do you have ha left in the house at this point? Well, I have an 18 year old standing here staring at me. He's getting ready to go to work. <laughs> and um, we have a 22 year old who just got back from the Marines. He's in the house until oh, he, wow. uh, and his house is actually in process of being ready. So he's just waiting nice. on that kind of chomping at the bit. That's it. Our 18 year old's waiting to go in the military and then we will truly be empty nesters. So yeah, and that's so having one have left the house, I only have two, and then the other one being so busy. It's a completely new reality. It's a completely new, and I, I think it's really important to talk about this for men who can't see beyond you know their two and three year old running the household right <laughs> and always being there and and like you're like how you know to be real like how am I ever gonna have sex with my wife with these monsters running in every single minute and how am I going to to have these intimate times or these build a relationship and I mean, you know I'm just telling you make it happen <laughs> but it's a, it's it's a new reality now it's very interesting it's, when the, it's 
a major adjustment. When the, when the kids were younger, they used to come and knock on the door during those times. And I, um, when they reached about 12, I finally started telling them, I said, you knock one more time, I'm actually going to open it. The older <laughs> ones told the younger ones, and we never had a problem with it after that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I can share all sorts of tricks. Uh, <laughs> so guys, just reach out if you need tricks, because we've, we've developed a lot of different strategies, and it's very effective. So. Yes, yes. But that's, hey. a pretty, that's a pretty blunt blunt one that that's pretty straightforward but i wanted i wanted to solve that problem not only at that time but for all the future times that we're going to come up to Mm -hmm. and that was pretty effective it worked yeah i can imagine it's brutal and the last thing that they want to do is that so (laughs) i think that that's 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 awesome so uh desi that's your wife correct yeah she goes by des i think i'm the only one that calls calls her desi okay des uh she, I, I do want to go back on that a little bit because I think a lot of men don't understand how in the world we struck gold with wives who completely support us. I, I have the same thing. It sounds very similar. She'll, she'll give her input. I can ask her anything. She'll give me her input. We're very clear on, Hey, you know, it's, um, this is a team effort almost in everything we do. And I, I want to dispel this thing that guys are like, well, I'm never going to have that. My wife sucks or she's not interested in anything I do. So you really hit the nail on the head. So I want to dive a little bit more into that about how to get your wife on board with you in your life and your work in your personal development, all those things. I think I I just want to let you talk on that. It's going to take me a minute, but I can definitely, definitely feel what you're talking about there. And for people that are in a relationship that don't think they have that necessarily, if there was ever a time that you felt connected to your spouse or you were close to your spouse, even if you don't feel that anymore, you can rekindle that. And it's a whole nother podcast, which I'm going to, this is on one of my lists to talk about, but there's a huge difference between the lust stage of a relationship and the love stage of a relationship. A lot of people think that comfort of a long-term relationship means they're not in love anymore. It's quite the opposite, actually. But that, that wasn't the question, but it's relevant to this. A couple of things to, to go into with your spouse and to think, okay, well, I struck gold with my spouse and this and that. And understand, Des and I, between us, we have five marriages. We were both married twice beforehand. We were not good at picking partners. As a matter of fact, we got together for the exact exclusive thing of not hooking up and not doing anything. We were just bored and wanted somebody intelligent to talk to. Famous last words. We've been together 24 years now. So what my biggest problem the whole time we've been together until recently was every time that she would try and give me a suggestion or get upset with me or correct me as the way I felt it like she was correcting me and really ego wise and emotionally wise, I felt like she was looking down on me because we want our wives to look up to us. We want them to be proud of us. And if they find flaws in us, well, that ego takes a smack and I was like, hey, you're looking down on me and it's, I, I don't like it. So we respond in anger and all of a sudden, oh, the fight's on, let's go. And out of all the dominant women on the planet, I married their queen. We don't fight all that often anymore, but when we did, it was epic. It took me 20 years of failure to realize, and, and by failure, I don't mean just giving up. I just mean we grew together. We grew businesses together. We raised our family. We've been happy, but I was failing in this one area and I can't even imagine where we would be right now if I had realized it even five or 10 years ago. Our wives want the best of us. They want to, and they only see the best of us. And that's a, that's something I can't understand because I'm not a woman, but They only want the best of us. They only want us to present our best face in the public. And they only want people to see the best of us. And your wife knows you more intimately than anybody else. So guys, she's your most powerful ally and your most powerful coach. And when I mentally, and I was standing in the kitchen, actually this kitchen, I was standing in the kitchen when I finally made the shift of, she's not beating me up. She's trying to help me. Wait a minute. I need, I really need to get my ego out of the way and shut up and listen. So for me, I now have a split. I have my wife, Des, that is beautiful and listens to me and looks up to me and is everything that I want and desire in a spouse. And then I have Coach Des. 
who knows me and is a coach that knows me better than anybody else and is a person that can tell me and talk to me in any way because they would never dis- disrespect me, but can talk to me and tell me the shit I need to hear when I need to hear it, and I better freaking listen because she, I will never, no matter how much money I paid, anybody else would never get the same level of advice as I'm getting from her because we are a reflection of them, and that's the way she sees it. And the day I made that distinction things changed. This, what we're doing right now is a result of that choice. Mm-hmm. My, our relationship and our relationship wasn't bad before. And I don't want to create that impression, but our relationship skyrocketed, improved so much more because all of that tension and all of that time that I felt like she was belittling me and looking down on me and making me feel small went away in, in an instant. And most of our loud disagreements went away in an instant because now if even if I'm in, okay, it's wife and flint mode and all of a sudden something comes up, it's like I can mentally make that shift and go, okay, this is advice I need to listen to and take it going forward. And your wife has a perspective on you, but also a perspective on your situation. They are the ones that are 100% involved in the outcome of your good or bad decisions. They pay the consequences for our bad decisions, even if they didn't have anything to do with them. I don't understand that power, guys. I I don't know how they do it. I admire that in a woman so much, being able to do that, because I'm not real sure I could. So in in listening to your wife in two different mindsets has been my power and really helped us grow and helped me personally grow. She has no, she'll be in the background. She gets referred to all the time. You'll hear her talk from time to time, but she has no desire to be the face of this movement, but she also understands how much it means to me and how necessary it is in our time right now, where honestly, and that was the cleaned up version of what is old man energy, but we're changing the world by addressing ways and abilities for an entire castrated generation of men to take their manhood back and start being good husbands, good fathers, and good leaders. The We're going to go into that, but something that kind of popped in my mind where you're talking was I think a lot of men are like, yeah, you don't understand. My wife nags me. And my answer to that is, one, you got to have 100% responsibility, personal responsibility for what's going on. Basically nagging is a function of you ignoring. (laughs) And so if you are so bothered by your wife nagging, stop and really listen to what the underlying thing she's asking and actually just do it for once. And, and we're talking about, you know, this basically two generations of men being castrated, which we will go into. Part of this is like, you stop doing the shit around the house and the stuff that your wife needs you to do. She's and so if you stop doing that, and I see these funny things where a guy like guys are, you know, wives will ask them and it doesn't get done. This is just late general laziness. It's and it's an it's this concept of like I earn the money, I don't need to do that. That's stupid. I'm not going to take out the garbage. Let's let's stick with one that's always I'm not taking out the garbage or I'll do it tomorrow or whatever. You're in an absolute you're you're being an ass. You're being lazy ass. And it's not that you're being subjective to your wife. It's that you're just doing the things that will give help her have energy to do that thing she does. This is reciprocal, guys. This is freaking reciprocal. You got to put in the work. So if you're right now going, well, yeah, my wife just nags at me. Put the put the mirror on yourself and fix yourself because that's the, that's the main problem. And I would say that for almost any problem that you have. So there's my rant. Sorry, I had to go into that. <laughs> I, I, I love it. I love it. I'll take it. I'll take it one step further on a couple of different points, if you don't mind. Number one, yes. I teach my boys, and I've got five boys and two girls. I teach my boys and anybody that I coach is the number one thing you have to do first is accept responsibility for everything that happens in your life. And the number one response I get, and I don't care if you're 50 or if you're 12, is, well, not everything is my fault. And I say, okay, you don't, why should I have to take the blame for everything? It's like, okay, you don't have to take the blame for anything that you didn't earn the blame for. But you still have to deal with the consequences of it. You still have to take responsibility for what's going on in your life. So number one, step up and do that. Number two, I agree with you. It's not going to kill you to do the dishes and take the trash out every once in a while. 
we we divided our chores in the house up by, I mean, I just picked what I wanted to do because of the way I work. And I usually do the dishes and I usually do the laundry because to me, those are BS chores. They don't have a time limit on them generally. I can do them whenever I stand up to go to the bathroom. I can walk by, throw a piece. To me, they're the easiest chores. So that that's one of the ways that we divided them up in our house. But I'll tell you one step further. Anytime I've had to say that's not me or it's not my job or this or that, it meant I wasn't doing everything I was supposed to do. Because as I've gotten busier over the last couple of weeks, and Scott, you can attest to just just your little piece of what you've seen of what I'm doing, all of that stuff starts to fall by the wayside, and she takes over and takes a responsibility for it. Not because, well, you had to tell her to do it and she doesn't think it's your job. It's because if you're truly out there chasing your collective dreams and goals and putting in the work and doing what you need to do, it's not even a choice at that point. It's like, no, I don't want you spending time doing this. I need you spending more time doing that. So the more responsibility and accountability you take, the faster you're going to grow. Uh, 100%. And I, you, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's the old thing, draw a circle around yourself and you have control on everything within that circle. And then the, the ultimate responsibility. I don't, I, I say it over and over again. If you get hit by a car, like, what did you do to get yourself in that position? Yeah, the car may have been out of control. The driver might have been intoxicated. Those are things you cannot control. But you, the only thing you can control is what you did to get in that moment. So I know it's harsh, but that's the only way you move forward. And so taking those outside circumstances and pushing any energy into those is a complete waste of your time. Absolute 100% waste of your time and energy. I'd say raise the rent in your head and move on and, and just be better. And the thing that I think really makes a big difference, Flint, is that our wives will start to see us lead ourselves and they will want to be led. And then the communication will start to open up as well. What you're talking about is some pretty high level communication where you are actually communicating your goals. You're communicating your vision. She's communicating back to you. And so then there's this open thing. And guess what? That takes humility. That takes practice. It takes slowing down and, and putting away your phone and putting away all the things and just paying attention and, and digging in deeper. So these are all things that are so pivotal in great relationships and I don't know if you want to add something to that, but it's just, this is good stuff, man. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. Guys, when, when your wife's told you to do something repeatedly and you haven't listened to her or, and I'm going to share a story with you in a second, when you've overridden her decision and then you were wrong because you were wrong when you did it, but we don't like to think we're wrong until we realize we're wrong. An apology is in order and an apology given out of true humility has power. Apologizing, saying sorry for no reason makes you weaker. Mm-hmm. I had a staff meeting with um, one of our companies this morning and implemented some policies that Des wanted to implement about a year ago because she is operations in, in our companies and on the back end, that's what she handles. And I overrode her on every single one of them and I was wrong on every single one of them. So in the staff meeting, I implemented them and then spent about five minutes explaining to the staff that, yes, um, Des was right. And should have done it this way in the first place, because owning your mistakes, as long as you don't fawn over them or and as long as it's sincere and it's done out of a true position of humility, that will make you more powerful and it will show people that you are an effective leader and you're not just an arrogant tyrant. So and that's true with your wife. It's true with your kids. You know what? We, we're not perfect. Sometimes sometimes we screw up and sometimes we owe them apologies. And sometimes we got to admit that when we hurt people's feelings or we do something wrong, that we did it and then move on. It's the only way to heal. It's the only way to heal those relationships. So on point, the I want to go back to 75 hard. So I did my first round of 75 hard probably like four years ago, three and a half years ago. And I just kept going. I did 151 days straight, um, just part of my personality, right? And it was, it was such a place at that point where it was just my everyday thing. I'm like, why am I even clicking the boxes? I do this. Like, it's just me now. Like, I'm like, 75 hard should not be. And now I didn't follow the whole year program that Andy Fasella put together. But for me, there was, it was 
habits, developing habits, doing them until when then I got to the point where not doing them hurt worse than doing them. And, um, I'm on day 30 of a, another round and it's quite kind of easy. Um, which it, some days the double workout and I'll be traveling. Ooh, I'm going to be traveling in the next few weeks. That's going to be brutal. And in a mastermind where, you know, you're, you're, you're on all day. So it's going to be, that's going to bring it up a notch, but there was a lot of things that shifted for me when I did that. And, and I think that's the same for you. And for me, it's like 75 hard seems to me to be a catalyst for a lot of men to kind of step into a new version of themselves where they see more potential or they, they encounter more and they actually grind through things that maybe they weren't willing to do before they find a new like go button. So what was it for you with that, that really kind of made that a catalyst? Wow, that's a that's a huge question. It's a great question, but it's a huge question. I think as an overall for 75 hard, for men specifically that do 75 hard, is it, it goes back to what we talked about at the very beginning of the podcast. We don't pour into our own cup. We spend so mm-hmm. much time doing for our fans. And that's, there, there's something wrong with not taking care of ourselves. We're more effective leaders if we pour into our cup and then we pour out. But sometimes we don't have much left. And there's times, and if you've got a bunch of kids, there's days you just got to get through it and you don't have any times for yourself. It's part of being a guy. So I understand both sides of that. And philosophically, yeah, we should always take care of ourselves first. Well, sometimes taking care of ourselves is taking care of our family. But when you choose to do 75 and you choose to complete 75 hard, you've spent the 75 days filling your own cup. You feel a sense of power that you probably either haven't known since you were very young or never knew in the first place. I was the second one. A lot of what I've done has come and been met with skepticism from Des on the front side. And I know she doesn't like me to lead with that story, but I think it's important, especially when I'm talking to guys, to understand that your wife is not going to believe in everything you do. And depending on how long you've been together, a lot of times you'll get the eye roll. Oh, God, here we go again. Something else can start and not finish. Uh, Okay, whatever. No, I don't want you to do this. I don't think this is a good idea. I think this is a bad idea. She didn't say that about 75 hard, but we've all heard it from our wives. That is not done out of a position of disappointment. That's done from the same position I talked about earlier. Our wives believe in us and they don't want to see us fail and they don't want to be disappointed again in us and watch it, watch it happen to us either. So there's that. Now to go back to my personal journey on 75 hard, I did finish live hard and phase three was right after the COVID lockdown. I knew every gas station attendant within 10 miles of my house. Because one of the things is you got to talk to a stranger and you got to do something nice for him every day. So <laughs> it was, um, that was a challenge finishing that. But wow. 70, 75 hard for me helped me refine my purpose. I was overweight. Everything I said in that um, blurb about old man energy was true. I had also just come out of almost a year and a half where I woke up and for 12 months I couldn't walk. I couldn't hardly leave mm-hmm. the house. I was very, very ill. They didn't know what was wrong with me. And our businesses took a hit to the point where Des had to go back to work for a couple of years so that we could have health insurance and continue. We didn't even need the money. Our bills were paid. We just didn't have health insurance at the time so that we could figure out what the heck was wrong with me. And that recovery was long and it was painful and it was humiliating. And I, um, I needed something that along with the kids aging out of the house and it was just so much, I, I was just resigned. In addition to being irritated about the fact that I was told I was getting older, that I wasn't going to be worth as much in a few years as I was now, and that I needed to figure out what lifestyle I wanted to settle in, and everybody around us was getting ready to retire, and we're like, what the hell are y'all doing? We're just getting started. What's going on? So for me, finishing 75 Hard was huge. It's the largest thing I ever did just for myself in my life. And I'm in shape now, and I love lifting weights, but out of being the nerd in school, I checked every box. I was not athletic. I'd never done anything athletic. So in addition to being a mental challenge for me, man, getting in shape, I felt great. I was like, oh, I didn't even know I could do all this. This is kind of cool. But I never had a reason to push through at the gym that many days consistently or exercise that much consistently. I'd always given up and um, I didn't even never really give up. I don't think leaving the gym is a conscious choice. It's just we allow life to get in the way and not go back. So 
it became a lifestyle yeah. for me. I've completed it every year since then. Did we, have I done 75 hard this year, Dad? We did No, we were going to do it at the beginning of the year. We didn't do it. So every year up until this year, I've done 75 hard. Now yeah, it's just it's, part of my uh, lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and speaking of 75 hard, it was, it was developed by Andy Frisella. And if you don't listen to his podcast, uh, if nothing else, listen to that episode. I remember it's like 182 or something like that. For, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's in the one hundreds for sure. Um, but you can, you can find out more. And if you're rolling your eyes because you're a fitness coach or you're a, you're like, well, whatever, I don't need to do that. Then, then you're the first one that needs to do it. That's what I would say to you. And there's a lot of people out there who like quit drinking and realized, oh my gosh, I actually have a problem. That's a big one for people. That was never an issue for me, but I, it, I've talked to a lot of guys like I didn't realize that I was having such a problem with alcohol until I couldn't stop it for 75 hard. And it was a reset for them. But I, this is a great transition because I was listening to Andy um, Frisella talk this week and kind of went off on masculinity stuff. And a part of me really agreed with me, him. And then there was a part that I was, I was questioning a little bit. And because I talk a lot about when I do events or I'm with other men, I think you can really get a lot deeper and make a lot more advancement in personal development when there's a vulnerability involved. When you're like, hey, I'm kind of screwing up in this area and you have this accountability and you kind of build in these like internal um, mentors, you know, like if someone were to come on and be coached by you, it's incredibly important that they're vulnerable to you, letting you know where they're struggling. Otherwise, you're kind of guessing and you're uncovering it slowly. And I mentor a few men and, you know, I, I dig through vulnerability is really important. He kind of called poo poo on that. So I'm curious what you think about vulnerability, about, you know, kind of what it takes to really grow and not give up a, like this, this balance between being a man, being a leader, really what it means to be masculine. And then the other side of that being, being soft in the places we need to be soft for our, our wives and also for personal growth. One of, one of my mantras is lead with love because I think love is an incredibly powerful emotion. Um, I I'm behind on Andy's podcast, but you're the second person that's mentioned that to me mostly because I, I'm very aggressive with my masculinity, but I believe that the vulnerability in the backside is important and if you never truly have somebody that you've opened up to, both your spouse and guys, because guys are going to talk about things that we're struggling with with our spouses, with our children, with each other that we're not going to talk about um, with just anybody down the street or what have you. So there has to be an environment where that is where that is nurtured and fostered. But on the other hand, I will tell you this much too. Um, Des has seen me truly cry. And I'm not talking about some movies or anything like that because I'll get teared up in an emotional movie every once in a while. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about truly crying twice. And we've been together 24 years. Once, mm -hmm. the first time we hadn't been together all that long, two of our older children had been abducted by their biological father and we were fighting to get them back. And two of our other children were in the midst of being adopted and we thought we were going to lose them. And we were at each other's throats and I lost it and I broke down. I don't think there was anything weak about that. I was at my breaking point and she was one person that knew that. The other time is when my best friend died mm. and we were close. We were, we could have been brothers. Um, I was as close to him as I am my brother, if not closer at the time. So I believe that vulnerability is there, but you know what, in 24 years, and that's the only two times she's seen that happen. If I were to break down and cry about every little thing and, oh, well, you hurt my feelings or this or that or da, da, da. So when, it, when Andy's talking, and I'm very familiar with Andy's opinions on masculinity, what have you. Yes, absolutely. I think that would make you a weak man and no woman wants to be married to a pussy who's going to break down all the time. That, that's not it. Right. But it. I, I was talking to a friend of ours um, uh, the other day, and uh, he goes, "He goes, well, how do you want to be remembered?" I said, "I want people to remember me as a jacked Mister Rogers, <laughs> because Mister awesome. Rogers was kind and loving, but it, 
and he admitted, he said, I'm not masculine in a way that I don't remember who he compared himself to at the time, one of the bodybuilders at the time, but he was still powerful in his own right. He was still aggressive. He still made things happen and he changed. I, I haven't talked to ever anybody in our age group that he didn't change our life in one way or the other. He right. taught us how to be kind. He taught us we were okay when we were awkward kids. I mean, so much power is contained in kindness and love that I do not think it should be discounted, but it also should not be paraded and used as a crutch ever. I was I'm raised to be that. a very weak man, and it was hard to turn my back on the way my mother raised me, and that's a whole different podcast to go into, but I, I, I feel strongly about both sides of that equation. That's a really, really interesting thought. As you were telling your story of when you've really broke down and cried in front of your wife, I can think of one time. Of, you know, there's those little emotional things like, you know, a movie or something catches you, right? Like, yeah, okay, a little tear because, you know, it just hits you. But mine was when my very good friend um, Eric took his own life. You, you know, that led me to, I actually broke down and my kids happened to be in the room. And it was, it was, it was like, wow. So it's really interesting because I feel like I have a very, very deep emotional connection with my wife and she understands me, but I do lead very strongly. And I, and I do, I, I am very stoic in situations where it may be touch and go, or it may be scary. And I've, I've had to train myself to do that. I've had to train myself to not respond emotionally. And I think you nailed it. You nailed it. And, you know, you have your backstory being raised by your mother. We have all these guys who will cry at stupid things and be, uh, will, will be a take the victim role immediately. And that's going to destroy, if it isn't already, which I think it is, it's going to absolutely destroy our society. Absolutely annihilate it. It's, it's a disease that has to be eradicated with the utmost importance and urgency that, uh, or we're just going to wither away as a, as a nation. Yes. Now, number one, I, I, I never will ever believe that society cannot be brought back from the brink of destruction because it's up to us to do it and it may get mm -hmm. exponentially harder, but it is possible it just means it's, there's more work and we need to work faster and we need to get the message out there as quickly as we possibly can. There's such a, such a dichotomy in today's society of men that are simps, for lack of a better term. And I know that's mm -hmm. a kid's term, but it, it really applies. It's just, it, and it's easy to cross over that line because you don't have to accept responsibility for shit. And the one thing I want to ask these guys and, and um, the Des and I were talking about this the other day is it, how many of you have never been hit before? <laughs> because that, it, it fundamentally changes you. And I don't care if you're sparring or if you're in a fight or what have you. But being a big nerd in school and not athletic, I was picked on. I was bullied constantly. And I, mean, I was fat. I was poor. I, I was a nerd. I, it was all that, all the things. Until I got my own job at 16, started working and there, this and that. And then I got in fights the last – and the last two years of high school were awesome for me. They were, they were the best years of my school year. But I got in fights constantly. I'm not a terribly aggressive guy. But I was always getting in fights with bullies because finally I was able to stand up to them. And I got absolutely beat to hell one night at the mall. Like they held me because of my mouth and beat the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. And again, I remember being – angry, not sore, not hurt, not wanting to lay down and cry. I was like, you know what? And this is guy Goggins talks about this, but you, you can't hurt me anymore. It doesn't get any worse than this. I had a broken cheekbone. I was messed up. It was bad, but they took all of their power away from over me at that point. They couldn't do anything mm -hmm. else to me. I wasn't afraid of them anymore and they'd done their worst and I'd survived it. And they, they didn't have a good time after the next couple of weeks, but that's a different story, one I probably am not to tell. But once, once you've pushed yourself in some way, exhaustion, exercise, 75 hard, you've been in a fight, you've gotten hit, something to awaken that testosterone and awaken that beast within, then you have to keep feeding it. We should always be controlling that rage 
in a constructive manner, but we should always be ready to act on anything in defense of our family, ourselves, or our ideals anytime we need to. If we can find a way to awaken that in the male population, and I'm not even going to say young men now, because there's a lot of guys out there our age that are just freaking soft, cow-eyed idiots. I don't mean idiots. I apologize. But they're flaccid. They're, they're, okay, that's fine. Better. It doesn't make them stupid, but it just makes them soft. And it, it obviously gets under my skin. I can't stand it. I, I can't either. I, somebody this today, cause I, I made a post about rucking and I, I related to some other things. He's like, why do you rock? And I'm like, I do it every morning for 45 minutes because it freaking hurts. And I had to sit there and like, why it, I, it is, it, it have yet to carry weight on my back in a pack and it not actually hurt like hell by minute 15. It stings. My back hurts. My shoulders ache. My neck hurts. And I'm like, I'm choosing to do this every single day, but I think you tap in. I believe you tap into a new power and a new focus and a new drive when you tap into that pain. And I remember at age gosh, probably 14 when I finally, well, 12 was the first time when I finally was like you, I'm like, I have had enough of this shit. I keep getting these guys picking on me, ruining my clothes, doing these things. And I just went to town. Like, sure. I got beat a few times, but, but it got to a point where people really regretted messing with me. And, and, um, that was a turning point in my life where I feel like you, I took control. I absolutely took control. And from school after that was great. I had, I enjoyed, I didn't mind if there was a controversy because I'm like, you know what? I have it within me to overcome that pain and suffering. And I am enough to take this on. So I rock every morning. I work out every day too, but I rock every morning because it hurts. <laughs> it just hurts. And I, and, and I'm not crazy. I think I've tapped into something that a lot of men need to tap into. I agree. And I, we're going to say it's a direct result from 75 hard because that's why we started doing it in the first place. And then we right. just looked for ways to make it harder. When I first started walking twice a day sucked. Mm-hmm. Now I've got a 40 pound vest. I don't use a ruck. I use a five eleven, but it's ultimately the same thing. And when I'm not on 75, I don't do it every day, but there are days where I do that and then I go lift. But I'm telling you, when I lift at the gym, it used to be two or 300 calories or this or that or here or there. Man, I don't leave there anymore without six or 700 or a thousand calories in the same time period because I'm suffering while I'm there. I'm hurting. And when I think I'm done, I've still got two or three sets left. And even yeah. my even my twenty two year old marine who's going he doesn't lift with me anymore. He's like, Dad, your your workout's brutal. I don't want to do that every day. Um, and I'm miserable when I leave, but I'm clear headed, and mm-hmm. I believe that that's how also we activate our testosterone as 100%. men. Um, and that that's a whole nother thing. There's a lot of low testosterone men running around out there from either lifestyle or just getting older or whatever. And I'll be the first one to tell you, I had to do something about my hormones because I abused my body when I was younger. I lived on steak, chicken wings, and beer as soon as I could afford it. And I probably did that for 20 years. (laughs) That was not a terribly healthy lifestyle. So uh, one, I want to support that. I had to, I had to get that thing under control. And I, I don't care what you guys think. It is a life changer and you really should have your hormone levels tested. Like just quit screwing around with it. And I don't care what age you are, go get tested. The other thing is, is, um, well, shoot, I just forgot the, (laughs) that sucks. But, but I, it, oh, I was talking with my wife. I was listening to Andy talk. And then I listened to some other person talk on a podcast about SSRIs, um, neurotransmitter blockers Mm -hmm. for, you know, sadness, let's just say sadness, (laughs) whatever you want, anxiety, whatever. I remember my walking into my doctor and she's like, you know, I'm like, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm fine. That was literally the conversation. I'm like, fine. I mean, you know, work is kind of blah. And she's like, I think, I think you would really benefit. Boom. I was on SSRIs. I was on antidepressants that fast. That fast, and I rewind my life. This is crazy. This is a new thing for me. I kind of took it back and I looked at the timeline of that, and I became a crappy. Uh, let me rephrase it. I became a shitty dad and husband 
when I was doing that. And, and I was complacent. I was fine just doing a career that, you know, I was just kind of riding the wave. And I look back and I'm like, when I really started to make massive changes in my life is when I took a look at myself, I'm like, I don't need this. What in the world? It took me two years coming off of it. Tiny dosage a, a week, tiny dosage. My doctor's like, I had to go find a doctor that would help me get off of it. And, she, and I finally, because they really, they wanted to reduce it by big levels and these things you cannot. And so um, I would chop them into these tiny pieces and, and like had this whole formula. It took me almost two years, but my life skyrocketed. My relationship skyrocketed as soon as I got off that. I was living numb. And so two things I tell guys is you have to understand your body. You have to get your, you, you need serious lab work. I'm not talking about what your doctor is going to give you. I'm talking about go find the, the functional doctor who's going to say, I'm going to throw everything. When I went and get my labs, they're like, what aren't you testing? I'm like, if there's something, put it on there because I want to know everything because I can change my diet. I can change my sleep. I can change the way I think. I will do whatever it takes to be optimized. And right now my doctor's like, you are like an optimal human being. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> like good. But the only reason I got there is because I took the time to let me to get all the data. And then I weeded out all the shit that society put on me. And SSRIs are bad for you if you are not suicidal or like in a deep thing. I'm not telling you get off them. I'm saying you have to be very, very skilled at that or you'll go into a super deep depression. But I think those are two things right now that are that are seriously affecting masculinity in our society. Yes. Um, my story is slightly similar. Similar. Um, I'm still pissed off at my old physician and I like the guy on a personal level and, and I'm hoping that he'll listen to this at some point and realize why I quit coming to see him because I didn't tell him. But their solution was always just give you another pill. And when I got better from the gout and the rheumatoid arthritis, and I say I got better, I know that's a chronic disease, but I only treat it by weightlifting now. That's one of the reasons I lift as heavy as I do. That keeps RA in remission. Yep. My rheumatologist looked at me and I was on 16 pills a day at 40 years old. And I'm like, okay, now I'm better. Let's start getting off some of this medicine. He goes, oh, you don't understand. This is maintenance medication. And I'm, I looked at him and he goes, you're going to be taking this for the rest of your life. And I looked at him and I said, the fuck I am. No. That, and he sold me back to my regular doctor because the rheumatologist thought I was out of my mind. And he said I didn't have the discipline to come off any of the medication that the RA guy gave me or that he gave me. And once I went to a hormone specialist, did exactly what you did. And I'm telling you, I took all my documentation because I religiously write down all of my workouts. I write down every day that I walk. I write down what I eat. I took all of it with me. He glanced at it, looked at it. He goes, you know what you're doing. I don't understand. He goes, you're working out pro athlete levels. He goes, you, you should look like a mountain sitting in front of me with 30% or 15% body fat something's wrong. And after they came back and did, and, and again, I put off going to the doctor guys. So do not put off going to a doctor that will help no. you. Your regular doctor wants to feed you pills. If you're if you're overweight and you drink too much and your doctor doesn't tell you you're 60 pounds overweight and you could do to drink less than a case of beer every couple of days, then he's not being honest with you or she. But finally, and, and the, the other piece of this is we don't think it's odd for a woman when she goes into menopause or starts into menopause or has a hysterectomy to go and get her hormones balanced and checked, that's acceptable in society. But for a guy to go do it, oh, well, you must be on gear. You just want to get jacked and da, 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 whatever. It's like, no, I want, I, I don't have to give up being a man because I'm getting old. So the Des was finally the one she looked at me and she goes, I've been telling you for three months, my life has changed. And when she finally got her hormones dialed in, it was awesome. She she finally put her foot down. I got an I got an appointment, and it, within weeks, guys, this this transformation does not take a long time. When you get your hormones balanced, you feel better the next day. It takes you a while to get in shape, but you start feeling better right. immediately. So I the feel pretty passionate all day. about that. Yeah, uh, not getting not having energy, foggy brain. Like if you have any of that stuff, I don't care if you're 28. The food that we've been eating that you've been eating has been destroying you from the inside out. Like, and there, all of this stuff is kind of coming to fruition about like how we eat the preservatives, all the stuff that's just there, how we grew up on microwave dinners and, you know, chicken fried steak and all these things have led to this, this 
basically dumbing down of man. And there was a guy that posted the other day and he's a, he's a masculinity coach. And he's like, you know, um, TRT is for, for weak men. And I'm looking at this guy, I looked at his profile. He's like 28. <laughs> like, come talk to me in 10, 10 months or 10, 10 years, brother. We're going to have a really serious conversation. And then I have buddies that are like, well, you can do it naturally. And so I had a, I, I know a guy that's been doing it for like three years. I'm like, so how are those numbers? He's like, I'm up 10 points. I'm like, so you still feel like shit because 10 points yeah. is nothing. nothing. And he's, he's, I'm like, and what are you doing? And he told me all this stuff. Like, those are all awesome things. We should all be doing those. Those, those things that you're doing are insane. We should do those regardless, but dude, 10 to 20 points, you're still living a garbage life. And so I, I will fight with people on that all day long. And I, I refer men to that all the time. I'm asking questions like, dude, if you don't want to have sex with your wife, at least every other day, you got some problems. Don't you remember when you were a teenager? Like that's how you should feel in life. It doesn't mean you're going to Hopefully you do get lucky every other day, but like, dude, start fighting for it. That'll give you some passion for your wife. That'll make you pursue her. Like that'll make you a better man. Like there's some real juice that, that, and it's not about getting jacked. I mean, you know, the real key for me, I was stuck at 315 dead deadlift weight for 12 years. Oh my god! And I did the, the, um, I did all of the programs. I had coaches doing programs with me. They're like, I don't know why you can't lift more weight. You do. I do. did all of the work. I did all of the progressions. I could not break that. After starting TRT, you would not have seen a difference in, in me, but within six weeks, I think I was like 460 or something like that. I've been trying for 10 years. <laughs> it, it's funny like, that you put, you put deadlift and <laughs> sex with your wife in the same conversation. I love it. Hell Yeah. They're, de- they're, they're definitely connected. <laughs> they, they absolutely are connected. I, um, my, there's a, there's a video on my personal YouTube. It's not on the old man energy YouTube. It's, um, I was doing four Oh five rack pulls for, for reps. I was getting ready for, I was either right after, right before dead December. Um, and I was, I was going for a 500 pound deadlift. So I was doing it for reps and I was videoing it and I was like, this is a pretty cool video. So I posted it up. Can your grandpa do this? And here's the thing, guys. You're going to get haters if you're fat. You're going to get haters if you lift too much weight. It doesn't matter. Only these people get in your head because it's all clicks. It's all attention. So cool. Be happy about it. The one con, the number one comment I got on that was, "Oh well, he's just ego lifting in the gym." And I described. I'm like, I'm doing rack pulls to get my lower back stronger. I told what I was doing. So that's an awesome feeling. And being able to move heavy shit as a guy is there's nothing more powerful than that. You walk around the gym feeling like the man. And I'm not talking about the gym bros that are there to pose every time they lift five pounds. I'm talking about the guys that are in there putting in the work that are moving the weights. There's a lot of power to be had in that. Um, Another thing I get, guys will use, well, my wife doesn't want to sleep with me anymore. As an excuse, whenever you talk about TRT or getting your hormones in, in well, then I'll just be miserable. I'll be even more miserable than I am now. I'll get that as an excuse from time to time. They don't and, want to sleep with you because their hormones are, excuse me for interrupting, because their oh, hormones are screwed up or because you're a flaccid asswipe. At, and, yes. When's, right? the last time like, you, when's the last time you did something to make her want to? When's the last time you started taking care of yourself? When, when's the, the last formula. time you told her what she looks good in or what you want to see yes. her in? The formula is easy. Guys just don't do it. No. They have every excuse in the world. I, I'm happy to call people out. If you hate me for this, then this is the, that's the number one indicator that you got some work to do. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? If, if a guy wants to argue with me, I'll try twice and tell him. And if not, I'd be like, okay, I, I, I don't. You don't own that much mental real estate in my head. You're not willing to do what yep. you need to do. I don't care. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. And at some point you go from, well, I wish I could be fit like you. So you pull up on your phone, you show them a fat picture. Well, look, this is what I looked like last year or six months ago or two years ago or whatever it is. And it's it. Oh, and then when you start actually developing muscles, well, then you must be abusing chemicals or whatever. It's like, it, right. Any excuse will do. And I, I keep telling people, I got to find my list. I have a list of 150 excuses I made when I was in outside sales. They're the same. They apply to contracting, weightlifting, yeah. getting in shape, relationships. Excuses are not original, guys. Pick one that sounds good because nobody really cares anyway. If you're going to mm-hmm. lie to yourself, do it fancy. 
<laughs> I have to make a disclaimer. I cannot deadlift over 400 right now, but I'm not working on it at all. But I, I and I'm only five foot six. The, the the distance from the ground to up is not far. <laughs> and, and just just for the record, I failed at the 500. Um, I ended up getting hurt midway through December. Oh. And I'm actually was videoing it when it happened. You can watch my stomach rip in the video. It's terrible. It's terrible. That was another thing. There's no help out there for diastasis recti for guys. And when you're fat and your abs won't go together, it's called diastasis recti. It's a mommy disease. I joined a bunch of mom groups. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. He's getting it done. To figure out what to do and ended up with some athletes that were female and just had had some kids. So there you may, sometimes you got to get creative with the solutions to get the answers you want guys, but it's worth it. And that's actually another piece to being a guy. You don't have to be told what to do all the time. Go figure shit out for yourself. Try some stuff. My, my favorite statement is, and tell my kids this all the time. And yes, I say this exactly how I say it to them. Go out there and fuck some shit up. Make some mistakes, break some stuff, figure it out. It's okay. We have to give permission to fail and that it's actually a catalyst to growth. This is something we can't say, well, you failed, you suck. It, you really got to give them permission to go screw things up. Well, okay. Yeah. What are you going to do about it now? Make some mistakes. Just don't quit. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. So the formula for men right now is stop making excuses, control yourself, love your wife, uh, uh, get your hormones checked, work out, do hard things, put yourself in a pain place every day, know what you're capable of and, um, love harder, man. (laughs) That's right. Lead with love, brother. Lead with love. You, you will see that on my post. And I tell everybody that one before I go to the phone, man, I love you. Because if if it's the last thing you ever hear from me, if I die, as soon as we hang up the phone, I don't want the last thing anybody thought about for me whether that that guy cared when he got off the phone with me or when he said goodbye yeah yeah i've lived that regret with my good friend so you gotta do not do not live in that regret because just learn from us dude so i want guys to be able to reach out to you all of your stuff will all of your links will be in the show notes on the website and on the you know apple and spotify and all that stuff what is how do you help men I, I take a unique approach. People ask me what what type of coach I am, um, and I hate the life coach term because it's so overused. Half people on the planet say they're a life coach. I take a unique approach in helping you become a better person, and it doesn't matter if I'm coaching an executive on their business or if I'm coaching a man on his relationship or on being a father or on fitness and if I'm helping somebody get in shape. I coach the person because I believe you're more powerful at work if you've got your life in order at home, if you're taking care of yourself physically, you're more powerful mentally. So I truly am a, a life coach. I lead with masculinity and I believe that my message speaks most powerfully to men, but identify where you're struggling the most. And if you're going to reach out to me for help and you're going to reach out to me and looking for that, then absolutely. It, it doesn't matter where. Um, one of the guys that I coach, his his statement to me, and I've started stolen it from him, but I'm going to give Zach credit for it on this, is he goes, you're the guy I tell people to call when they don't know who else to call. Hmm. And that that's the easiest way to sum it up. If you, um, I, I've attempted to live four lifetimes <laughs> in mine with the number of children I've raised, with the different things I've done business-wise and just my personal development as a man and my story and my journey. One thing, I'm, I know you got my links and everything there. We're going to be doing a, a countdown to the launch of my podcast, which I'm going to explore, expand on many of the topics that we've covered here, plus a whole bunch more um, uh, from business-wise to everything else. So I'm, I'm really excited about getting the message out there and getting to share your platform as well, Scott. Thank you very much. I, I think we could talk for another three or four hours if we let ourselves easily could go a Rogan length on this one. Um, I had about, I have about four topics written down that we could revisit and it would be, each one would be its own episode. So that's a, that's pretty much an open invitation. And um, I really appreciate you, brother. It's been phenomenal getting to know you and we have more similarities in the things that you shared that I ever even imagined. I haven't shared them with you yet, which is just so 
so crazy and probably why it was really easy like having young podcast but yeah i'm getting flat on the podcast i think the first time like the second time we talked i'm like dude you gotta get on my podcast this is ridiculous <laughs> so and we uh, hadn't talked in six or eight months at that point I, I, our, I and for the record i hope this makes it it makes the cut our first conversation was about 10 minutes long and i ended it with you don't have anything i need right now <laughs> Hey, it's all in timing, right? That's why that we, we just be, we got to be the guys that we need to be at the time and then things will come back around. Yeah. And that's a really good, really good message for everybody. Oh, absolutely. And when yeah. the time came, I mean, we, um, we skipped a bunch of steps in working with your company. I think I, I jumped in with both feet at that point. Yeah. Well, no, it's, it's the best way to do it. So Flint, thank you very much. Listeners, thank you very much. And seriously, old man energy, Go find it. Find the podcast. I already, I already know a little. I have a little insider on that one. It's going to be phenomenal. So put it in your listening cycle. Like even if you have to forego some of my episodes, I'm cool with that. You got to learn. You need to hear it. If you've heard it all from me, you need to hear it from someone else because sometimes it just hits differently. And so um, share it with people. Uh, Flint is a guy I will get behind um, and support for whatever he's doing. So you can take that to the bank. We'll see you on the next episode. Hey, thanks. I love you, brother. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.